Welcome to The Balance. I'm Catlin Tucker, and I have an unusual episode for you guys today. So this morning, I received two text messages about ChatGPT, one of them from my aunt and one from Chris, who helped me to design my ebook. And Chris and I were having a great conversation about it, and I figured, why not just record it for the podcast? Because I know everybody in education is talking about ChatGPT right now. So one of the articles that I was reading was from the Atlantic, and it was called The End of High School English. Now, as a former English teacher with 16 years of experience in high school classrooms, I was immediately intrigued. And I definitely, as I was reading the article, hit several lines that just had my mind kind of spinning, and Chris and I were talking about this. So let me just let Chris say hello, and then we'll jump into the article. We'll talk about some of those lines that resonated with me and try to hit some of the highlights of the conversation we were having that was so dynamic and made me want to record this podcast. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to actually have somebody to talk to for this segment. So the first quote as I was reading this article, which I told you about in our initial conversation, was... Teenagers have always found ways around doing the hard work of learning. And I had this moment where I just had to chuckle because we all find ways around doing things we don't particularly care to do, find value in, aren't interested in. So the idea that this is just somehow a teenage or like a student phenomenon kind of cracks me up, right? So when we think about where students are traditionally doing a lot of the practice and application from school, it's at home in isolation where they don't have any teacher support or peer support as they're working. So of course, they're going to try to find the shortest way from point A to point B to just get it done so that hopefully they can enjoy some of this time they have outside of school. Yeah, I love the inference that this isn't something that us adults do as <laughs> you know, usually generally takes me like a week just to fold my laundry because I absolutely hate it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's so many tasks that I know I need to do or I quote have to do, but I don't want to do. So I just am really trying to find the quickest way to get them done, get them off my plate. And I think students have the same experience. They spend all days in school. And I think what they want is to go home and play sports, shoot hoops, have a conversation with a friend you know, zone out on YouTube videos, chat with a family member, and yet lots of them come home to hours of homework, which would make an offering like ChatGPT very attractive to kind of get those written responses, those online kind of writing tasks off their plates quickly. Well, I think that's what I found so interesting about this article. You know, my brother was the one who actually sent this to me. And I think, you know, him and I both have always fallen victim to uh, anytime we see education and technology in the same sentence, we just assume (laughs) that uh, you're going to know everything about it. But, you know, I think the thing that him and I were both really interested in is what is it about this that you think that's causing such an uproar in the education industry? Ultimately, I think the issue is that the way most traditional classrooms are still operating is very much with the teacher at the front of the room really being the expert and spending a lot of time and energy transferring information. And that can happen in the form of a lecture or a mini lesson. And then there's not a lot of time for students to actually do the practice and application, respond to writing prompts in the physical classroom. So a lot of that is following students home in the form of homework. And once that goes home with them, we really can't 
control that experience. So this particular AI offering will generate an original piece of writing in response to some very sophisticated questions that students could potentially put the question in, get an original response. There's no way to track that this isn't, you know, their writing. As an English teacher, I will say I could always hear my students' voices in my head as I was reading their essays. So I think we know pretty quickly as teachers if this does not sound like something a student is capable of, but there's no way to actually prove they didn't write it because it doesn't exist anywhere else on the internet. To me, that signals, like a lot of the other changes outside of education, that the way we're designing and facilitating learning is not flexible enough to weather these outside forces, whether it's a pandemic that really forces teachers to stretch immediately shifting online with very little kind of notice, warning, or training, navigating things like hybrid schedules or even concurrent classrooms. COVID was really disruptive and it was really challenging for educators. Most educators are still kind of recovering from that really challenging three years. And now we have things like chat GPT that also threaten kind of the status quo, the way we've gone about educating kids. And for me, I think we have to start questioning why are we sending all of this work home with students? Does that actually make sense? And I was listening to a phenomenal podcast in response to this by AJ Giuliani, who sent out some really wonderful email blasts talking about this, recorded his own podcast. And he also brought up, like, let's rethink homework. Is homework really accomplishing what we want it to? And whenever I think of homework, I think of all the also the equity issues at the heart of homework, which is We send this work home with students into environments that may not be conducive to accomplishing academic tasks. Students might go into an apartment they're sharing with many family members, or maybe they're caring for younger siblings, or they have parents who aren't home or don't speak the language homework's coming home in, or just don't have the subject area expertise to support students. So it almost feels like we're setting some of these most vulnerable students, the students with the most need, up to fail when we send tasks home with them. And it doesn't surprise me that students might turn to a software or a technology that would make it easier to get those academic tasks done. So for me, it's really about, you know, that fear of what if students are submitting work that isn't their own. And it's like, well, if you're asking them to do that work outside the classroom, you really lose control over that. And I think that's really scary for educators. How will we know what students can actually do in terms of writing? How we know what they actually know in terms of these complex concepts if we can't ask them to write about it and feel confident that they're actually submitting their own writing. Well, and I think that begs the question because I heard you mention the pandemic and it makes me wonder how much of this reaction do you think is coming out of the pandemic and and the amount of control, you know, the educational industry had to let go of by having Mm. so much remote learning. You know, do you think that's caused some of this or or would this, this reaction still be the same regardless? I think it would still be a very powerful reaction. And unfortunately, the reality is technology is just going to continue to rapidly evolve. This isn't just a one-off. This is going to be the first of many types of AI technology that are going to do things that probably make educators uneasy. And what I really wanted for teachers during the pandemic was to cultivate this kind of mindset, skill set, and tool set that was flexible enough to weather 
a range of teaching and learning landscapes. I wanted teachers to feel confident teaching online, in person, or a blend of the two. And when it comes to something like a chat GPT, my reaction wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is the end of English class, or this is the end of writing prompts and having students demonstrate their knowledge via writing. I thought, well, We need to stop sending the bulk of writing home with students. We need to lean on blended learning models like station rotation, whole group rotation, playlist model to create time and space so students can actually do writing in the classroom because writing is cognitively challenging and it is very much a skill that takes years and years to hone and develop and refine and kids need support. And so many classrooms are set up where teachers are spending the vast majority of time explaining how to do things, how to write, but not nearly as much time really guiding that writing process, giving students feedback as they're attempting to write. So creating a station rotation where the teacher-led station is just giving students focused, actionable feedback on the writing they're doing in that moment, creating space in the classroom for them to get some of these tasks done so that we're not sending it all home. Because when we send it home, we're competing with the students' lives outside of school. I mean, they're as excited to go home and write an essay or a written response to a series of questions for us as we are to take it home and grade it. One of the things that I think about when I hear this is, you know, as someone who works in a creative field and works in design is creatives don't just sit down and just start creating. A lot of times we seek inspiration. We mm-hmm. seek something to help kind of build an idea in our minds of what we want to build. And and instead of looking at this tool as something that they would just use to skirt by their homework, instead seeing it as something that could maybe mm-hmm. spur that spark. All of us have those things that we struggle with when we're working on something and being able to have something that could spur an inspiration to get them over that hump can be a really useful tool in that respect. Oh my gosh. And I was thinking as a teacher how valuable it is when we have students doing a type of writing, whether it is a lab report for a science class, a research-based piece of writing for history, or an argumentative essay for English. It's always helpful to have students look at exemplars. And if you've been lucky enough to have a really strong writer in a previous class and you saved their work, great. Then you can lean on those examples. But I was thinking, gosh, if I have a prompt and this this is going to spit out a series of original examples of writing that then I could give to groups of students so that they could analyze it and talk through, what are we noticing? What is this piece of writing doing well? What might we add in terms of language or emotion to make it our own? You could almost have students analyzing examples of writing coming out of chat GPT to have a better understanding of structure, use of language, sentence formatting, things like tone, and maybe even use this as an opportunity to talk about the limitations of AI and where is the feeling and the humanity and the personality maybe missing a little bit that they could add to so they remember to do that in their own writing. Well, it does feel like when you read this article, there is that aspect of creative expression that's lost. Mm -hmm. You know, my my 10-year-old daughter will write all sorts of stories, not because (laughs) someone's asking her to do it or making her do it, just because it's something that she finds joy in. And and, and there there is a bit of a, I don't know, a little cynical aspect of this article where it it feels like they have their own human experiences that they want to communicate and share with the world. And, And that's not something an AI bot can do. An AI bot is using 
loads of data to generate something that's already been done before, whereas mm -hmm. humans have a remarkable ability of creating something new and, and really providing a unique perspective that an AI bot just won't be able to do. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think one of the things that's different between your daughter's experience writing for her own joy of writing or wanting to tell a unique story or capture a moment is she has the motivation to do that because she experiences a high degree of autonomy and agency in that moment. She's not being told what to read and then how to respond to that piece of writing. And that's another thing that I think we need to take a closer look at in education is I've talked a lot about human motivation on this podcast. And what we know about human motivation is we need autonomy, competence, and relatedness. So when it comes to autonomy, like when are those moments when we can give students some meaningful choice and some independence around the ways in which they express and communicate their ideas? Can we think about that competence piece with how do we make sure they feel they can be successful on a writing task? You know, that competence is really just their confidence in their ability to do a task well. And if we're not supporting them as they're writing, we're not providing feedback on their work in progress, they may not have that confidence to even think they can do or complete a writing assignment, you know, the way that they're being asked to do it. And then relatedness is that that feeling of connection to an inclusive community. And so often students don't get to, as you describe with creatives, they don't get to bounce ideas around and chat about it and brainstorm and use each other as resources in the classroom as they approach a particular writing task. So I think if we really started to think about how do we give them more autonomy and agency? How do we make sure they feel confident in their ability to tackle a particular task or writing assignment? And are we allowing them to connect with their community to be more successful? We might have more students who are motivated to write and complete these tasks using their own authentic original voices. Well, and let's just be real, like some of the stuff they're asked to write about, or at least I remember, <laughs> you know, I, I was not the best student, but old man in the seat basically broke me mm -hmm. and I had the hardest time reading it. And I, I just wonder as well, are we still putting students in the position of having to write and work on things that they just can't personally relate to in their lives? And and when you look at, you know, my daughter and the things that she chooses to write about, it's stuff that she relates to and is excited about as mm -hmm. opposed to things that she's forced to write about that she had no decision over and is probably not as excited about. Oh, absolutely. When I first started teaching English, literally all I was given was a photocopied list of texts that were in our library. I was told you need to teach six of these over the course of the year, and each one needs to have a written assignment associated with it. And because it was pretty early 2000s, I didn't have any digital literary resources to draw from. And so that's what I did. Everybody read the same text. They responded to the same prompts. And as technology started to open the door to giving students more flexibility around, you know, what genres of literature actually appeal to them? What would they like to write about? Maybe I give them a couple options of different prompts that they can choose from. That's when I really started to see more students enjoy both the process of reading, but also the process of writing. And when paired with blended learning models, where I was actually freed from the front of the room and could dive in and out of their digital documents, giving them focused, actual feedback while they were working, all of a sudden I saw students who didn't have a lot of confidence originally in their writing become much more excited and much more confident as writers. 
So ultimately, what I think would be so much more rewarding for students as writers, but also for us as teachers, is to think about how are we or can we architect learning experiences that create time and space in the classroom for students to do the writing there where they have our support in the form of focused feedback, scaffolds, direction, as well as peer support for inspiration to ask questions, to get that peer feedback as well on their writing. And then, you know, the great news for us is if we can find ways to pull this writing into the classroom and give students feedback feedback as they work, then we're also not taking that home with us to give feedback on weekends and evenings. So when the author of the article says this may signal the end of writing assignments altogether, my response is no, I don't think it will, but it might signal the end of sending writing prompts and writing assignments home with students and instead really push us to think about how do we design learning experiences that allow us to pull it into the classroom. You know, I think in a lot of ways I can relate, you know, technology over the last 20, 25 years has really evolved rapidly, as we all know, but over that time, it's it's all been stuff that we've been able to really wrap our heads around, be it an MP3 player or smartphones, smartwatches, those things all evolve really quickly. But now we're, we're in a space where, you know, we have blockchains and cryptocurrency and artificial intelligence, machine learning, and it's really hard to understand what that all means now and, and, and how that's going to affect our way of life. And so I can really understand why people would feel anxiety around this. I absolutely understand the anxiety educators are experiencing as well. What I want for them is to approach this work in a more flexible way so that all of these new developments, whether it's tech or other developments, are not so scary. They're not so threatening because we have this really robust and nimble tool belt full of instructional models and approaches that don't trap teachers at the front of the room, that don't relegate students to these passive consumers who are left at home to do this work. So for me, the fear and anxiety makes total sense. We have no idea what form AI might take in a year or five years or 10 years, but Let's start looking at the core of what we're doing and ask ourselves, is it really what's working best for students, for us? Is it nimble enough to weather some of these outside forces that, quite frankly, we can't control and they're not going to go away? Well, and, and as any child of the 90s will tell you, you know, going through Y2K, you know, <laughs> these these tech scares rarely live up to being as bad as people make them out to be. Mm-hmm. And if we're honest, I think what's happening here is it's pushing us all outside of our comfort zone because we really don't understand this tech. Frankly, I'm someone who works in Silicon Valley. I'm around people who are building some of this innovative tech. And I see them getting new tech and having a hard time adopting <laughs> it because they want to stick with their their old things that they used to use. And so I, I, I get it in that respect. Absolutely. I think everybody struggles when they are pushed outside of their comfort zones or they approach something that's unfamiliar and new. But I want to thank you for joining me today in this conversation and sharing your perspective and being willing to come on the podcast to chat with me about this because I know everybody's talking about it. And I definitely wanted to have a voice in the conversation to say, I don't think it's the end of English. I don't think it's the end of the way we've always done school, but maybe it's an opportunity to think about how we might do things a little differently. Well, speaking of comfort zone, this is my first podcast, so (laughs) definitely outside my comfort zone. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. You did great. You did great. 
So thinking about this conversation, there are just a few things I want to highlight because I'd love for educators to be thinking about them, which is first, the issue of homework and sending students home to look at a blank page or a blank screen and do this work in isolation. And what is the value in that? And could we potentially really lean on some different instructional models to allow students the time and space to do this work in the physical classroom? So the second point really dovetails off that, which is exploring or the value of exploring flexible instructional models that create time and space for human connection in a classroom, whether it's students connecting and brainstorming and looking at each other's work and giving each other powerful, meaningful feedback, whether it's time for teachers to connect with individual learners about their work to give them feedback and support. And then I also think about, you know, how do we use a technology like this to really make our lives a little easier? Maybe it's an opportunity to create some really strong exemplars or just some exemplars for students to analyze, talk about, so they understand how to structure and organize and communicate their ideas in a way that's effective. So these kinds of technologies aren't going away, but how do we continue to do this work in a way that is meaningful and fulfilling where we don't feel threatened by these new technologies that are going to pop up? Because this will be the first of many for sure. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Balance. And as we close out 2022, I am very excited that in 2023, my goal is to be releasing more podcast episodes, more minis, and I'm going to be integrating an Ask Catlin series. So right now on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram, I'm inviting educators to send me questions about everything from blended learning to online learning to teaching, grading, education in general, so I can answer some of your questions. So find me online, send me your questions. And starting in the new year, we're going to have episodes that are an Ask Catlin episode where I answer all of your questions. I'm very excited to get a chance to respond to the things you all are thinking about and wondering about. And again, looking forward to more episodes in 2023.